everyone, and welcome to another episode of Turn Left. I am your host, Indiana's own Dana Black, coming to you live, yes, all the way live from Black Pearl Studios, where we talk about Indiana politics from the left side of things. I hope y'all are enjoying this beautifully warm weather. I hope you are hydrating and staying cool. I am going to remember this week in January and in February. I am in heaven right now. I, I'm sorry if a lot of you all are like, woo, the heat. I am so loving this. Oh my goodness, I cannot get enough heat. I mean, think about it. Honestly, I ain't really supposed to be in this hemisphere. I mean, if you think about it, this is just where the boats dropped us off at. I'm just joking, y'all. Come on, lighten up. Let's have some fun. <laughs> all right, let's get into the news. Let's see what's going on this week. Uh, there's some good stuff, too, I want to uh, highlight. Uh, the Indiana Capital Chronicle reports Indiana lawmakers could further dilute state wetland protections following S Supreme Court decision. The U.S. Supreme Court ruling from earlier this year will effectively remove federal protections for most of Indiana's wetlands and enable Hoosier lawmakers to repeal already weakened state protections for those areas. The high court ruled in May that, that federal protections for wetlands under the Clean Water Act only apply to wetlands with a continuous surface connection to federally protected waterways that make them indistinguishable from those waters. The ruling will allow the state to further strip away uh, regulations that currently keep developers from repurposing wetlands for commercial use. Indiana is home to more than 800,000 acres of wetlands, equal to about 3.5% of the state's geography. Although 80% of the Indiana's wetlands had federal protection, that is expected to drop to 20% following SCOTUS's ruling. Indra Frank, director of the Environmental Health and Water Policy for the Hoosier Environmental Council, said the decision will significantly impact flooding and drinking water in Indiana. Guys, I don't know if you've heard of those once in a hundred year floods happening in some of our small towns every five or six years. Those things are happening because we have people who call themselves conservatives who don't want to conserve the environment. When we destroy our wetlands, we cause a whole host of problems. And these these folks are going to do this for profit reasons. But it's going to end up costing Hoosiers when they have to file those insurance claims. And then the insurance company says, oh, wait, you don't have flood insurance. Or then you have to go get flood insurance, which is significantly higher than regular homeowners insurance. So, guys, I think we ought to watch what happens in the state house this next session, because I have a feeling that. With this deregulation happening, we are going to see continued erosion of our wetlands. And we already know that we're in this crazy environmental crisis. Some of y'all can't even handle this July 80 degree weather. But w once we remove our wetlands, it's going to remove a lot of the barriers that we're protecting our communities from floodwaters and, and protect our drinking water. So talk to your people. Make sure they don't do any more crazy stuff. All right. So I, I saw something that uh, made me think, you know, self-hate is real. And I feel sorry for this man because he don't even like himself. And he wants to be the governor of Indiana. Republican gubernatorial candidate Curtis Hill says he'd get rid of Indiana's Office of Equity, Inclusion and Opportunity if elected, calling it, calling it pandering and a drain on resources in a Monday news conference. 
Hill also said he wanted to eliminate all such state-funded programs, although this particular pro- office is funded by Centerpoint Energy's charitable arm. His campaign didn't respond to a request for uh, other examples. Unnecessary government offices that exist only to pander to identity politics agenda and that do not lead to tangible positive outcomes are a drain on Hoosiers and need to be ended, said Hill, who would be Indiana's first black governor. He ain't going to, though. He's not. Don't worry about it. As governor, I will run a lean but effective administration. On Monday, he'll promise to personally spearhead a series of bridge forms with expert community members emphasizing an unfettered and open civil discourse with a solutions-oriented focus. He recently told the Capitol Chronicle that he believed in the need for healthy conversations about race, although he said it had become a weaponized issue. Bruh. <laughs> There's nothing more weaponized about racial issues than Emmett Till, George Floyd, Sandra Bland, Britain. I mean, good Lord. Bruh. Find your black card and pull it out because you need it. I can't believe I can't believe this man wants to be governor so bad that he would just literally forget that he's a black man and thinks that, you know, everything is cool and that we don't need to have some type of diversity inclusion opportunity office when the vast majority of the leaders are white folk. And I talked about this last week where we have a tendency to, you know, gravitate toward people who are more like us because that's what we're comfortable with. We need to get we need to get uncomfortable. We need to get get comfortable with being uncomfortable. But the idea that the brother wants to get rid of the diversity and inclusion and opportunity is the ultimate in pandering. He wants to accuse this office of being a pandering office, saying that you don't want more people like you to have opportunities. I'm going to put you over there with Justice Thomas, and that's just it, and that's all. All y'all fake. You know, you it's, it's really about you're fine, you're okay, damn the rest of us, and that ain't cool. You're supposed to leave the ladder down. And he's not doing that. So uh, I know I won't be voting for him and he won't win the primary, unfortunately. But or fortunately, I don't know. I don't know him. Braun, they all crap. But we'll see what happens. Speaking of Republican infighting, because, you know, that was, you know, Holcomb's office and he started it in 2020. Representative Jim Banks has signaled he will not support former vice president and Indiana governor Mike Pence's bid for president. His comments came during an interview with News 8's government reporter Garrett Berquist for Sunday's All Indiana Politics. Banks was in the uh, state Senate with when Pence was governor, but he's continued to be one of former pre- President Donald Trump's most l- vocal and loyal supporters. Bootlicker. Banks said, I've known Mike Pence for a long time. I respect him and respect what he's done for our state and our country. I fully support the orange menace, Donald Trump. He didn't say that. I said it. Donald Trump for president and believe he's the front runner for a lot of reasons. But the biggest reason is he's a fighter for America. I fully expect him to be the Republican nominee and believe that he will beat Joe Biden in the November election in 2024. He has my full support. Okay, so that statement in of itself should let you know you need to be supporting the Democratic candidate that is running in uh, Congressional District 3 to replace Jim Banks. And you need to find one of those Democrats 
that are running for the United States Senate and support them in the primary and in the general election so that Jim Banks does not become a U.S. senator because he's an idiot. I mean, oh, my God. You mean to tell me you'd rather support somebody that's got like three indictments and another one on the way? Somebody, he says he's looking out for the country. The orange menace is not looking out for anybody but himself, patting his pockets, duping his supporters out of all their money. The money that he's been raising has been going to cover his legal expenses. My God, why should we have him lead anything? He can't lead nobody out of a wet paper bag. I'm just saying. And Jim Bakes being his bootlicker, his behind kisser, I'm surprised he doesn't have like a, a, a knee pad line. Jim Banks knee pad line for all that booty kissing he doing. But guys, I do think it's kind of funny. I, I think Mike Pence is a sucker too. I think pretty much most Republicans, not all, but I think most Republicans are pretty sad. And this just shows you why Jim Banks is not a leader. He's a clown. He's soft. He has no backbone. He doesn't stand for anything other than uh, patting his own pockets like his mentor, uh, Donald Trump. And then finally, some good news, because that's what we do as Democrats. We always bring good news to the mix. President Joe Biden intends to nominate Joshua Kohler, a federal magistrate judge from northern Indiana, to the Seventh U.S. Circuit Courts of Appeals, the White House announced on Thursday. Kohler, who's based in Hammond, has been a magistrate judge in the U.S. District Court for the Northern District of Indiana since 2019. He previously was an assistant U.S. attorney for the same district from 2007 to 2018, and he was, he was the lead attorney for national security there from 2015 to 2018. The Seventh Circuit covers cases from Indiana, Illinois, and Wisconsin. Yay! We get to uh, Democrats are appointing some judges. I know we've lost that that branch of our government for a decade because of how many justices um, the Orange Menace was able to assign and appoint. Even some people who were barely out of law school, just passed the bar and had never tried a case, argued a case, litigated a case, anything. So now we're seeing that our president is actually nominating some people. So, you know, they may be fair judges and he's been doing this for a long time. He's put in his work. I'm excited that it's somebody from Indiana that'll sit on that circuit court. He has a great feel for the area. So this is really, really a good thing. See, that's the difference between us and them. We do positive stuff. We're trying to make America better. I don't know what they're trying to do. Oh, they're into authoritarianism. My bad. You know, because they want to stop you from driving across lines to seek medical care. They don't want you to get married. They don't even want you to say gay. But we say it. We don't care. You can't stop us. So huh. I say vote for D's, vote for blue. And as always, let's hear from my amazing sponsor, Bohm's Unique Boutique. Today's show is brought to you by Bohm's Unique Boutique. Click on the QR code. And for all Turn Left listeners, you can get a 10% discount on your order by using the code DEMOCRAT. Be sure to visit www.bohmsuniqueboutique.com. I do love Bohm's Unique Boutique. And as always, guys, do you need digital content? Reach out to Black Pearl IT Solutions and Black Pearl Studios. We can, I'm telling you, I'm super affordable because I want to help elect Democrats. 
And I know a lot of you guys don't have a whole, whole lot of money, but you still need that digital content. So reach out to me. Um, I can help you out. We can get on the schedule and let's get you uh, sharing your information out there to the public. All right. Scan the QR code and let's make a deal and we can make it happen. All right. That's my rant. Those are my ads. And I'm really excited because one of the things that I try to do with Turn Left is to make sure that I hit all four corners, five corners, eight corners, however many corners of our beautiful state, all 92 counties. And I get excited when I get to head north. I love going north. There's I mean, not just the region, y'all. Uh-uh. Not just the region. We're going up to Michigan City today. Y'all give it up to my guest, my solo guest today, running for City County Council, First Ward, Greg Coulter. Greg, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dana. It's exciting to be here. It's exciting to have you. It was a, it's a pleasure to meet you. I tell you what, you gave me, you made me smile and you made an old lady feel good when you, when you said, I'm not going to ever miss your show again. Thank you for that. <laughs> that has made my day. No problem. It was easy because a week or two ago, so I haven't missed one yet. So I love so far. it. I love it. All right. So tell the people who you are and where you come from. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm Greg Coulter. I um, live in Michigan City. Um, so I can. I'm about 500 feet from Lake Michigan. You can't get much further north than that. Um, when it's not hazy from Canadian wildfires, you can see Michigan and Chicago from Michigan City. So it's pretty pretty far north. Um, and we have a lot of fun here. So my family's been in Indiana for eight generations. We wow. got some land in like 1832. Um, and we've been here ever since on the same farm and all that jazz. Oh, the same uh, farm? Yeah. And we grow pumpkins. And we're like, if if you're up in northern Indiana, people will recognize us for the pumpkins. Oh, I didn't know. That's so cool. It's cool. It's a weird thing to be like kind of locally famous for or recognized <laughs> for. Um yeah, there was one time I was an undergrad and talking to a professor and he's like, oh, I guess pumpkins have to grow on farms and people farm them. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, if, yeah, he was Russian. So, I mean, everybody else has been to a pumpkin farm. Um, so it's a weird way to grow up living on a pumpkin farm. Um, so it's pretty cool. And then uh, other relevant things about me, I moved around a lot in my 20s. So I did um, a year in Sweden. That was really cool. Ooh. Um, I trained that for anything. Uh one thing that I think about when I think about Sweden is like we have all that conversation about like bathroom laws mm -hmm. and like in different bathrooms in Sweden they just have like a line of water closets so like you're always in your own bathroom nice well cool. it's cool they've got it figured out I think like from the beginning um well you know it you know the the bathroom thing isn't about trans people it's about no. predatory white males or predatory males because I'm not gonna say white males predatory males who want to pretend they're something that they're not to molest people that's 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 not trans people yep yep when conservatives <laughs> talk about it they make it sound like this this deceptive thing that somebody's just gonna like decide one day that they're gonna go spy on women in a bathroom and that's not what that is no no, and that's a lot of work to go through to, to spy yeah. on women, right? Yeah. Especially when all you got to do is go to Pornhub. Yeah, somebody needs to show them how to look up porn. <laughs> so they can leave regular people alone. <laughs> Speaking of Pornhub, the other city I lived in abroad was Montreal, which is where Pornhub's from. Okay. Um, yeah, fun facts about that. Uh, so that was really cool. I did a graduate degree there. Because um, my undergrad was in history, so then I followed it up with a graduate degree in history. Oh. Um, yeah, it was awesome. I loved Montreal. Well, where'd you Just, go to undergrad? Where'd you go to undergrad? Ball State. Ball State. Okay. Okay. And then, so what, okay, wait, stop. Did you, yeah. in, did you int intentionally want to go to Montreal? So, 
the summer I was doing graduate applications or maybe a little bit before this was 15 years ago I don't remember um somebody had mentioned that that was somewhere that they had gone to school and I just kind of threw it on my list of places to apply and it was like it's going to be it's the same price everywhere um but I probably saved a lot of money going to Canada really uh, I paid 250 in rent for one bedroom what, what year Canadian or American this was 2016. oh my god that wasn't that long ago yeah, to live in a city of like, I think it's about the same size as Indianapolis, like 800,000. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I loved Montreal. It was cool. Um, just a lot of French speakers and a lot of English speakers. And you just kind of used whichever one you needed to use at the time. And <laughs> yeah, it was cool. There was one time that I was at a karaoke night. Mm -hmm. And like French undergrad students are kind of strange. And like they decided they would sing Noel, Noel, the Christmas song. Mm -hmm. So obviously all in French, but then afterwards I got the whole bar to chant Jesus. So um, that's always been a bit of a major accomplishment for me is getting an entire bar to chant Jesus, Jesus. Okay, so that means that you have a, yeah. that you have influence. I have influence, yeah, that's the thing. <laughs> Montreal was really cool. I followed it up with a year in Toronto, um, working oh. at a poutine place called Poutini's House of Poutine. What is that? What is what? what? You've had poutine before, right? No, what is it? Um, the only poutine I've had in Indianapolis was at Sun King and they didn't do it right. Oh, it's so a it's, beer. No, it's a, it's a, it's French fries with oh. gravy and curds. Oh. Yeah. And I can't remember. We might get to see my cat in a second. Um, that's okay. We like cats. Yeah. Um, um, I did library school online and there were a lot of cats walking across screens in library school. <laughs> you can imagine. Okay. Yeah, poutine. So yeah, I have strong feelings about poutine. I think part of the reason that I moved back to, Montre to Mon Montreal, moved back to Michigan City and um, really put down some roots um, was because Shoreline, one of the brewers here, my cat is in my light, um, has the best poutine outside of Canada. So I will rant about that. Um, yeah. yeah I, I never heard of poutine. Yeah, I it's got to be like a good brown gravy. There was one place that did like a like a breakfast gravy, uh -huh. like a whole milk breakfast gravy. That was the wrong way to do it. I've got very strong opinions about poutine. Ooh. But I, but you know what? It's a, that's what traveling that's does, though. It like it allows you to like experience things and have a different perspective and a, a broader worldview. That's that's amazing that you've been able to do all of that as a young person. Did your parents encourage you to travel? Uh, for the most part, I'd say so. Um, I mean, they never really discouraged it. Um, I think my mom would have liked it if I was closer to home, but the thing that she always liked when I was in Sweden or Canada is that she would always come for Mother's Day Aww. so that she'd have somewhere to go for Mother's Day and like she gets to go visit her kids somewhere cool rather than, I mean, it's nice to see your parents every, all the time, but, um, it was, it's an opportunity for them to come visit. So they liked that. So what was like the... What is your biggest takeaway from being an international traveler? My biggest takeaway from being an international traveler? I mean, the, the language is the first thing that comes to my mind. Um, okay. So like in Canada, there, well, in Sweden, there's more native, more fluent English speakers in Canada than there in Sweden, excuse me, I'm not getting these facts straight, um, than there are in Canada. Mm -hmm. But like the, the thing to take away from that is that like so much of the world has learned to speak English because of the British Empire. Yeah. And that the Americans have feel like followed yeah. that up. Yeah. Um, um, but it's a good lingua franca. I mean, if you look at like the EU, mm -hmm. where they don't even have an English speaking nation in it anymore, mm -mm. but they're still all speaking English. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was like, like a, when I went to Germany, I, so I had my first trip to Europe um, a couple of weeks ago, or yeah, at the beginning of the month. And oh, cool. I was so grateful that they sp spoke better English than I did German. Otherwise, it would have been a mess. But it was like, everybody spoke English. And it, it was so pleasing. Like, And they were so accommodating. As long as you were, you know, you didn't talk too fast, you know, they got you. Or if you repeated it and didn't sound condescending, they were fine. But they still spoke better English than I did German. Yeah, there was one time I was trying to order because I studied a lot of Swedish when I was there um, and I was trying to order a pizza in Swedish and like people did a pretty normal job of just being like, oh, great, you have a good accent for an American, um, always for an American. Yeah, because um, they know but, that we don't learn, you know, we, we don't think that we should learn more than one language. Yeah. And if you don't learn like the phonetics of how to get your mouth in the right order really early, then it's hard to hard to pick up. Trust um, me, I know. Yeah. So, so I was ordering this pizza in, in Swedish and the buddy I was with is like, no, you were saying that perfectly right. But the guy that was taking the order just wasn't, but yeah, everybody's pretty agreeable, um, about just speaking English, but like the, the takeaway from that isn't that everybody's pretty agreeable speaking English, but just like a bit of humility, mm -hmm. uh, mm. um, like going out into the world that other people had to go through this process of, of learning a second language. So that like in Sweden, they could access the internet mm -hmm. um, or like in Quebec. Mm -hmm. uh, I was taking a Quebec history class early on. Um, there's two parts of this. Don't let me forget the second part. Um, I was taking a Quebec history class early on and just learning about how like that language colonization, mm -hmm. um, how the English people moved in after the French people moved in, after the Algonquin speaking people moved in, mm. um, and then the Haudenosaunee. Um, so like all those layers of colonization and like mm. for some for the Haudenosaunee outside of Montreal, um, they all spoke English and refused to learn French because French is the language of the colonizer. Mm. Kind of bizarre to think about because I mean English is the language of the colonizer, mm -hmm. but and and there's their story and narrative that's that's yeah. the order that comes wow in. interesting. And you get to like the 1960s, and for a lot of people, um, if you were a French-speaking person in Montreal or rural Montreal or Quebec. Um, the, there was like a 90% chance that you had to learn English to talk to your boss. And that's, okay. that's colonialism. That's, right. that's something to figure out. So they figured it out and they put in their language protections and they're still, they're still bickering about it. Yeah. What's part two? Part two. Thank you. Um, <laughs> is that I had a friend that was taking, so I'm in the Quebec history class. And then I made a friend early on who was taking his American studies class. Mm -hmm. One day he's like, oh my gosh, you're from Indiana. That is the the Ozier state. The and what? I just kind of like fell over laughing. The way he pronounced Hoosier in French. <laughs> it actually it sounds better. It does. La tête d'Ozier. I think it's cool. Ozier, I like that. So what, yeah. did you always have a love of history? I'd say so. And a love of languages too. And just kind of like the idea, growing up on a farm, um, I think it's easy to fall in love with the idea of kind of getting out for a minute. Okay. So a big part of why I ended up getting a master's degree in history and then coming back to rural Indiana is that I kind of figured if I was going to live in rural Indiana, I could get out for a minute. Yeah. And do some international stuff in Montreal and, and Sweden for a year. Yeah. And come back and just have like a, a better understanding of, of the world and my spot in it. 
I love it. I, I'm a novice when it comes to history, but I enjoy it because I enjoy like um, learning about the human behavior and the human interaction and how humans socialize with each other. Obviously, there's the the you know the kingdoms and monarchies, the monarchies and there all that. Who right. I couldn't get that out. Um, all of that stuff. But what I enjoy like learning about how each civilization existed depending on where they were, the climate they were in, and I always found it interesting like. Uh, when the, when you read uh, Western history from the Western point of view, when they visited places like any any of the regions on the largest continent, or when they went to India, or when they went to Central and South America, they always talked about how these folks seemed uncivilized because they didn't have on a lot of clothes. But it was like they round the equator. Things supposed to be y'all closer to the Arctic yeah. Circle. What is wrong with you people? <laughs> that was just one of the things that always like annoyed me when you read it. It's like, didn't you understand they're hot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What was like, what, what was your favorite part of learning about history? So the master's degree I ended up writing a thesis for um, was about the human migration around the Atlantic in like the 1700s. Ooh. So it wasn't just British people moving to North North America or um, British people forcing Africans to move to North America. Um, there was also like going to the Caribbean and then up from the Caribbean to Canada and just, just a whole mess around. Um, but then when you look at it from contemporary eyes, they've got that mindset that you're kind of sharing is that um, people get stuck in their ways and they develop habits. Mm -hmm. Like if you are living in England and you're eating a lot of cabbage because that's what grows well in a cloudy, like mm -hmm. cold environment, mm -hmm. it's just a lot of cabbage. So they're eating their cabbage. Mm -hmm. But then you've got, um, so like these humoral zones, like the being comfortable where you're at mm -hmm. is, is a lot of how it worked out of what I was studying. So the thesis I wrote was a man who was enslaved in Martinique who was then taken by his captors to Quebec to be mm. the executioner. Mm. And he was really depressed up in Quebec because, um, I mean, he's one of like 12 black guys. Right. Um, but like the rest of them are having a great time either. Um, they're all held in bondage. Um, and the reason that he was removed from Martinique was because he was, um, he did try to escape a few times. Uh, so the first time he escapes, they like chop off your ear and like make a, a knob in it. Um, and then the second time they hobbled him. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're not familiar with Mercy, that's where they yeah, um, chop off your foot. I, they were cutting his Achilles tendon or <gasps> hamstring. 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 Oh. Is the way they hobbled him. Um, because, I mean, if you put yourself in like it's disgusting to put yourself in like the position of somebody owning another person. Right. Um, that they're trying to maintain their investment. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because we they were probably yeah hobbling somebody, and then the third time he escaped, that punishment is execution. Mm. Um, but then also we're back in like the 1700s, and we're thinking about we're we're putting on our good Catholic hats, and um, <laughs> they're good Catholics, so they needed somebody to be the executioner in Quebec. So this guy who wasn't going to have anybody inherit property from him or somebody that was already supposed to be executed is kind of how they found their next executioner. Oh, geez. So they saved him from the execution block, moved him to Quebec. So he's still alive. So that's a blessing. Um, but he's an executioner. Yeah. So he's dying inside. Yeah. And the first two people he has to execute are also enslaved people. Mm, mm, so mm. 
So when like, you hear when you hear yeah. you know uh, Governor DeSantis and the the Florida um, super school superintendents talk about how they want to reframe and change um, our history to talk about the things that you know black folks benefited from. How does that make you feel? It's really scary because <laughs> like they don't do that on a whim. They're they're looking at our history and they're finding ways to sterilize it and um, make it so that the only thing we learn in history class is that um, Abraham Lincoln couldn't tell a lie. George Washington couldn't tell right. a lie. Abraham Lincoln walked how many miles to return 16 cents? I don't know. He was honest, Abe. Yeah, honest, Abe. Yeah. And it's like, no, there's a lot more history to talk about. Like, yeah. there's the whole thing about, like, slavery. Yeah. And, like, the idea that some of these enslaved women were used as wet nurses. Yeah. That was one of those things that really messed me up is like the idea that yeah like yeah yeah they, they were they were literally nursing the little white babies yes 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 and it's i think the hardest part i mean other than obviously the obvious torture you know stealing and plundering of one's past present and future the separation of families like that to, to me there's nothing really crueler other i mean the whole thing the whole thing right the whole thing is yeah. cruel but I'm going to have you essentially become a breeder. And yeah. and as much as they are insisting that women carry babies, whether they're going to be born alive or not, now that they want to like pretend like that women didn't feel that trauma every time they gave birth to a child or that a, a father didn't feel that trauma having what, you know, their child born and then they don't know where they are ever again. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things. It, it, there's so many things about that. I remember listening to a podcast that said, you know, by the time we start seeing the backlash from progress, society's already moved toward the progress. And so even though the backlash is happening, we've already moved forward. So they're they're doing the thing, but we're like, I mean, here you are a, a young person who, you're not a person of color, are you? No. Okay, so, and here you are, you have that empathy and that understanding. And, and think of how many young people who are like you, who are like, y'all are stupid. And that's what they're trying to avoid, but it's it's too late, it's already happened. And now you're yeah. running for office. <laughs> and a lot of that empathy comes from learning history. Y yes. So taking that out and denying kids that chance to learn about like what it meant to be a person 200 years ago, that's that's a lot of where I learned a lot of empathy. And like if they're not getting that, then they're not going to learn empathy. I, I mean, it's it. critical thinking, but there's also a lot of empathy that comes from studying history. I love it. I love it. Indiana's own Dana Black. We are talking to Michigan City City Council uh, candidate for the first ward, Greg Coulter. It, listen, guys, if you are liking what he's talking about, because I'm already into him because we we on, we we on the same love language right now. Click on his Act Blue donate link. Donate to his campaign because every dollar will help. Whether it's five, ten, fifteen dollars, every dollar helps him. He may need to buy yard signs. He may need to purchase some advertising. Whatever it is, whatever you can donate. He may need to need to buy water for his volunteers right whatever it is could you donate to his campaign click on that act blue link um so he can run a successful campaign so let's let's get into the nitty-gritty tell us why you just you got involved in politics and why you were running for office so yeah the reason i got involved in politics there's there's 
two or three things to talk about there. Um, one is just that I was in Canada when Donald Trump was getting elected. <sighs> and it was so bizarre, like being at a party or something. And everybody in the room is like, Greg, what is going on in America? And it was 2016. And I, this was around the time. Um, and I can't believe this is still a thing that actually happened in our lives is that Donald Trump is running for office. The Huffington Post said that anything related to Donald Trump is going to go in the entertainment section and not the politics section. Huh. And I think that's the last day I ever heard of the Huffington Post, which I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ariana um, Huffington sold it too. And I don't know. Oh, okay. Yeah, so she's, she sold it. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it was weird being in Canada and having to explain American politics and I just kind of gave me that feeling that I needed to bloom where I'm planted and not exactly try to make living in Canada work, but um, to go back to rural Indiana, because the more that we scare queer people out of living in, in rural mm -hmm. places, the fewer queer people there are in rural places. Mm -hmm. And then they can make up these things about these deceptive queer people trying to sneak into bathrooms to peek under stalls. Hello. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. So... <laughs> <laughs> that was a big thing that made me want to move back and get back to Indiana is just to be a queer person and to, to put a professional face forward and um, like make a recognizable person that wasn't some monster that people recognize from the media. Mm -hmm. um, but to actually be somebody that people could recognize as like Greg's a queer person that is doing good work. Um, yeah. So I got back. I started doing some good work. I was at the library for a bit. Um, helping some of his like teen librarian okay um so that gave me a really interesting insight into how teens are living their lives and what vaping is so this that and some other things got me to a point where i knew i wanted to be in politics at some point um i threw my hat in the ring this year and won my primary so how many how many were in the primary i i, I tried to keep up with as many as i could two so it was okay. me and this other guy okay um oh congratulations then thank you Thank you. Um, it's interesting, but um, it's me and this other guy. And then in the general election, I've got a Republican and an independent. Oh, it's a three-way split. Mm, yeah. That'll be interesting. It's a very blue town, but I'm excited. Well, yeah, because they're going to split their votes. Because more than likely, the independent is a Republican um, because... Or, or well, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know who the independent is. So I know they're not on Act Blue. <laughs> yep, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> And so, I mean, so was coming out for you or running as an out person something that you were worried about at any time? It hasn't been an issue. Michigan City is pretty progressive. Okay. Um, racially, I think we're about 50%, maybe 40, 60 black and white. Um, and close enough to Chicago that it's, it's that we've mm -hmm. got a good appreciation for diversity up here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so it's it hasn't been an issue running as an LGBTQ person. Uh and it was never really an issue coming out either. I think it was because I was just in a small town where everybody kind of recognized my family. Um, there were a couple of people that would try to make a thing out of it. And mm -hmm. then everyone in the class would just kind of gang up on them and be like, we aren't mean to Greg. And <laughs> that's what I love about LaFort County is, is we, we help take care of each other. Yeah. I love it. And see that, see, that's the whole point that I was making. By the time the backlash comes, we have our, the society has progressed already. So if this is you, you're talking about when you were a young person, we're not going to let anybody pick on Greg. They know Greg. So they are not going to be weirded out by gay people. Yeah. So, you see what I'm saying? And so, then, yeah. That's okay. and that's and that's why the the backlash is coming because they're like, "Oh shoot. People like gay people." Oh. Yeah. 
when I was the teen librarian, none of them were coming up to me like, Greg, I had the worst day because everyone's bullying me about being queer. Yeah. It's like coming up to me about like, oh, I got a vaping violation. I got <laughs> um, none of these kids were having a hard time being LGBTQ middle schoolers. I love so, it. I love cool. it. It's exciting. I love it. And so, and so, you know, you, you, you're, you looked at the books, you saw what was happening. Um, you were motivated by 2016. Um, why, why council? Why city council? Oh, Michigan city is the coolest city I've ever been to. Um, and I've been to a few different places and like, there's just a lot of low hanging fruit that we can okay. do on city council working with mayor Angie. I'm so excited for mayor Angie. Um, I think that's half of why I'm running is just to, to, um, help her succeed even more is, she's this incredible woman she's gonna be michigan city's first black mayor okay uh, and this is a town that has a significant black population it's got a significant female population it's Love weird it. to say um but we're gonna have our first female black mayor and she is going to rock it okay um she is the most qualified person i've ever seen run for office and is going to be an incredible mayor she's she's got everything that she wants to do lined up um all sorts of um projects to help people with their um having affordable housing, having um, good jobs and having ways to get to those jobs. Okay. And that's, that's, it's great to see somebody with a good finger on the pulse. And um, I'm excited to work with her. So having her as a bit of a mentor has been great. Um, Ooh, come on, so, mentor. Yeah. So being up on Lake Michigan and seeing what they do in Michigan with their coastal towns and what we do in Indiana with our coastal towns, I think there's just a little bit of work we can do on the lakefront. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one of my big things is just figuring out how to make the most out of the tourism that we have available. We have, Michigan City has so much going on for it. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, the um, National Lakeshore was made a national park. Yep. Indiana's only national park. Yep. Um, so I can see a national park out my window. Yeah. Um, you wouldn't know it walking around town and think that there's a national park outside our door. Um, so capitalizing on that. Um, but then we've also got the double tracking project where right now, right now, right now, it's like an hour, it's two hours to get on public transportation to Chicago. But um, once I finish the project, it's going to be 67 minutes. Whoa. Yeah, it's going to, it's going to make a lot of sense. You're yes. going to be able you to know, go to and from Chicago. Yep, you're going to um, attract people to leave Chicago and come live in Michigan City. Yeah, love it. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be so cool. And then um, the coal generating plant is coming down. Oh, yay. Yeah, there's lots of cool things going on in Michigan City. And like it's things you need to be very forward thinking about. Mm -hmm. And a 32 year old is going to be more forward thinking than um, someone in their late 50s, somebody in their 70s. Watch yourself. Who... I'm 53, bro. <laughs> I would I'm teasing. I knew I knew well once you said 32, I was like, he's gonna say somebody in the 50s. So I was I was ready for you. <laughs> But but you're like, right. But you're right. I yeah, mean, yeah, you, you've got your 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 tool bag of tricks, and yeah. it's worked for the last thirty years. And I've got a different tool bag. Yeah. Well, I, well, I'll be honest. One of the things that actually has me excited is that you recognize as a city councilor, you need to work in concert with the mayor. And you've already said that's I want to help her. I think that is I think that is critical. And what do you you guys have a, a nine member council, second class city? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So, I mean, all of those, um, you know, those allyships that are created between the offices will help move, you know, um, move things along. And I I think that is I, I, I think that is like the coolest 
answer I have ever heard of why people are running for office. A lot of people talk about how they want to fix a thing, but you said, I want to help somebody else fix a thing. And that's what I want to be the support. And I can do that by voting for legis- uh, ordinances and things. I, that is like one of the best answers I have ever heard. Yeah, we all need to pull together. Yeah. So I get back from Canada and I'm watching these. I mean, we all survived the pandemic, not all survived. That's the unfortunate yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know but, what you mean. Uh, Everyone here has survived the pandemic and um, we saw what good government looked like mm-hmm. and we saw a lot of really bad governments and mm-hmm. then just some infighting. Um, in our county government, we were really lucky to have some incredible county commissioners who were voted off and now we've got a, three bickering Republicans who were just at each other's throats all the time, wow. not getting anything done and just arguing about everything. And um, I don't want that in Michigan City. I want Michigan City to have a team that is working together to get that low hanging fruit that mayor angie talks about and get people's quality of life up and Mm -hmm. working together to improve people's lives rather than just bickering about who's yeah Yeah, i I love that i love that so you know you win the election in november um you start to craft and draft your ordinances because see you like history so you know how to read (laughs) (laughs) and that's true (laughs) right Uh, i I know that mayor angie has her list of priorities but what are your three main priorities um as council i know you i know you want to help her but i'm certain you have you sound like a guy that has his own way of thinking and his own way of saying things so yes helping her is cool but what do you got helping her is cool but there is stuff i got yeah um but right off the top is that affordable housing. Um, I'm a renter here in Michigan City. 50% of Michigan City's renters, too. 50%? Uh, yeah, it's up there. So, um, yeah. Number one, just being a voice for those guys, too. But um, I'd like to be able to buy a house here one day. Okay. And when we've got all those up-and-coming things going on for Michigan City, you can imagine what that's done for our housing market. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going up. affordable housing. Um, I'd like to buy a house here, too. Okay. Um, Affordable housing, um, crime is a big one. We've had a lot of um, an increase in shootings. Mm. Uh, so figuring out how to use technology to be better prepared to respond to accidents there. Okay. Um, for example, last year on the beach, I was out hanging out with my sister, and there was a shooting about 500 feet away on the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were, everybody was just scrambling. The right, family right. us, um, was a young couple with a couple infants mm-hmm. um and they're just they have no idea what to do because they're trying to hold their kids because there's just a shooting 500 feet away and so my sister and i just start help cleaning up their their stuff and say like hey we'll we'll carry this over the dune for you if you guys don't want to be down here don't be down here right right and that shouldn't happen on the beach no it shouldn't but because we had the shot spotted oh i might be confusing stories so fast forward to a couple months ago there was a shoot another shooting mm. um outside of a daycare outside what? of a house so a bullet went through a daycare mm. um but within an hour because of the shot spotter cameras they were able to make an arrest for that okay good 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 yeah but the so beach not so much on the beach yeah, yeah because that's just the the difference in timing right, right. um is that that wasn't a year ago and the shot spotters were installed january ish maybe mm-hmm. being installed so yeah using technology and increasing our police force getting more social workers we just hired our first social worker um, what your first social worker it's a small town it's a, a, a police force of 80 but thank you i also feel like there could be two well i mean i'm a i'm a little what's the population up there um michigan city 40 50 thousand 
38 comes 30, to mind. Okay, I feel like 38. I'd be able to shoot from the hip with that. But. Okay, but so so only one social worker on the law enforcement agency. I'm certain you know the the state has their people up there, but I mean that's 38,000 people who are not being served in a way that is beneficial to their their mental and their you know social. Yeah. So here's something else that we're doing that's really cool. And I don't know how ubiquitous this is across the state. I'm pretty sure that I was told that we were the first one in Indiana to do this. But our police force, or a good part of it, across um, across LaPorte County. So Michigan City Police, LaPorte, Westville had this, a couple of police officers mm -hmm. there, the county, mm -hmm. um, received critical crisis intervention training. Okay. Um, so we've got police officers trained in how to respond to mental health crises. Okay. Um, but getting more of them. I mean, if it was 100%, that, that's a start. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. The one police officer said that about 60% of the calls they get aren't calls that are supposed to go to a police officer. Right, right. So getting, getting our cops trained for the level of work they need to appropriately for the work that they're being assigned. Got those it. Those 60% of the calls that shouldn't be a cop. Um, I would even like to see... I, um, the 911 dispatcher be able to route to the right place. You that know? would be cool. I would like that. Yeah. I mean, because everyone just kind of realizes that it's not. Yeah. I mean, I don't think we need to add. Or... We don't need to add new three digit numbers for people to call. Everyone knows 911. You learn 911. Just have the dispatcher know where to route. So is it is it a, is it something we I need to send law enforcement or do I need to send someone um, for for behavioral health? And I think yeah. I I mean I think that's like one of the first places we should and why don't we do it that way? Like I know people want to keep having all the different lines. Yeah. I don't know. There's there's times where you call for like a wellness check yeah. and you talk yourself out of it because like, why would I want like some gendarme like coming Hello? up? Like, like G.I. Joe showing up? G.I. Joe yeah, showing up? Showing up, knock on my door to be like, hey, are you okay? And it's like a depressed person that yeah. already certain feelings about the cops and or the, something. Yeah, and the depressed person yeah. again, like the way that the, the, he knocked on the door and just starts spazzing out. I mean, those are, why not route, like triage them and then route them where they need to go. And, and 911 operators are awesome right they yeah. get they get the information in and out and it won't i mean they know whether to make it a firefighter call or a police call what's one more to say firefighter please behavioral health mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. see you should write that up <laughs> i've got it recorded i can use that <laughs> should have had otter going um so we need a third one my third one um is smart growth so we know that we've got smart those growth three what's what's smart about. growth what's smart growth we, so with the um, the National Park come elevation, the change in the name mm -hmm. of that, um, the development of the railroad and how we're going to have a lot quicker commutes to Chicago and mm -hmm. then mm -hmm. the okay. coming down, mm -hmm. we just need to be smart about that. So okay. we know that Michigan City is growing. I know that the house prices doubled over the last year. Um, so finding ways to make sure that Michigan City residents are at the front of the wave for that growth mm -hmm. and making sure that Michigan City residents are enjoying um, the benefits. all that business. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been working with the Brookings Institute, our Economic Development Corporation has been working with the Brookings Institute, I think a couple other people, but Brookings Institute seems to be the top mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, name on that uh, list uh, to figure out ways to work against gentrification because everything that I just listed about what's going on in Michigan City is lots of great reasons to suspect that we're going to have some pretty bad gentrification coming up. Mm -hmm. um, finding out ways to make sure that Michigan City residents who have been here for forever 
Um, we know that when you've got 50% runners, that's going to be a challenge <sighs> when it comes down to gentrification. That's yeah, because those owners, if it's not an apartment complex or a duplex, even duplexes, but people want to sell and um, cash yeah. in on, on the rising home prices. Yeah, that's that is yeah. a little scary. So we need to be smart about it. We need yeah. to make sure that Michigan City residents are included in it and not just making a bunch of deals with um, breweries out of Chicago or something. Um, yeah. That's supporting the people we have here now. Yeah. So I was just in Michigan City earlier this year for, um, did you know Dr. J was in your town? Dr. J. I do not know a Dr. J. You didn't, you don't know Dr. J? I don't know Dr. I might not know Dr. J. Dr. J, the basketball star. Oh, I don't know basketball stars. I have a master's degree in uh, history. We, we are in different worlds. I, listen, bro, <laughs> I have an IT degree <laughs> and an MBA, but I know like the people that were playing before. Okay. For, well, so I, I feel like MBA is, is, is something that we're just going to walk right past right now, aren't we? Yeah. We're going to let it go. We're going to let it go. <laughs> I mean, that's a, like, but see, it's same thing. Like my best friends were like, Beyonce is coming. Y'all want to go to Beyonce? And I'm like, no. So you were hanging out with Dr. J. Yeah. So oh, in Michigan City, and and one of the yeah. things. Okay, yeah. sorry. Back to Michigan City. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I noticed that as I was driving in, I saw there was obviously a lot of road construction, construction, especially up to the casino. But I didn't see. Are you guys using a lot of um, mixed uh, resource buildings, like commercial on the bottom and living at the top? Are you? Are is that something that that you may not know? But are, is that something that you guys are looking at? Yeah, so there's some things that we're looking at for that. Um, the I keep going back to that train station, but that's really what we do here in Michigan City. Um, so we've got the train station project. So they're putting in the double track. It's going to be faster. Part of that is also putting in a apartment building that's going to have some mixed use on the bottom mm -hmm. and then apartments all the way up. And then there is a lot closer to the lake um, that is also going to be restaurants and a grocery store we're going to get a grocery store downtown um that's what? one of those things. i think that's my secret fourth platform okay. is that there's a conversation about this like luxury condos that are going mm -hmm. up at the end of franklin street mm -hmm. uh, with good views of the lake and um they'll have like some hotel to it too mm -hmm. but uh they've one of the things that the economic development corporation and the planning department is doing is figuring out incentives for a grocery store to go in around there um, and we need it. I mean, right now, if I work downtown and I want to go get like some pasta salad for lunch, mm -hmm. I have to drive 20 minutes. Wow. Wow. Insane. We need a grocery store downtown. Okay. So that I can so food walk desert. over there and pasta. Yeah. It's yeah. food desert. I can spend $15 uh, supporting a local business and I do that too often. Um, but maybe I want to support a local grocery store and get some pasta salad yep. for lunch, you know? And I think they also need to, you know, spruce up blue chip. It's yeah. Oh yeah. It's uh so, it's seen better days. Well, it's seen better days. It's it's gotten down there. I think it's been around for 20 years. I think that was governor not governor. Um Mayor Matias was the one who got blue chip and she was like late nineties. So yeah. One of the things I think they could do is just go smoke free because four winds five miles north in New Buffalo is smoke free, and then four winds in South Bend is smoke free. I think if you go smoke free, your casinos are just automatically a little nicer. That's possible. But I mean, they could still do like general upkeep and maintenance and replace the furniture. Yeah. <laughs> I've had to, I've but had to stay in holes in your, all your furniture because everyone's smoking. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's the way to need to upkeep your furniture. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like the design of, of the casino. Like I enjoy like, cause I've been there like literally the, twice the last two years. Right. And, okay. um, and I like the way the design is where if you want to be in the casino, you can be in the casino. If you're doing the convention, all of your convention stuff is totally separate. I love it. It's just like, okay, can we upgrade this? Bed? And they need some more yeah. restaurants in the casino or in the, in the space. Cause they only have like that little deli yeah they do and then they've got like the million dollar steakhouse oh i've never where's the steakhouse across the it's you would never know to look there ah. and i don't know if the buffet completely died from covid or if it's back yet i haven't um, seen a buffet and i don't know you know at this point i i think i'm a covid scaredy cat of buffets at this yeah. point yeah i would kill for a good salad bar i have been saying that for weeks and i think i just need to find one Okay. Um, okay. Another restaurant there too, but it's like sport betting and it's smoky inside. I don't like smoky bars. Okay, I, I got you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And my sister worked there for a bit, so there's a couple restaurants in the casino, but there's some really good ones downtown Michigan City that are locally owned and have some cool owners that are worth supporting. Okay. Well, the next time I'm there, I'm going to hit you up so that we could. You know, oh my god. Because I'm have always. So I'm, I, I I love um, hitting you know, Michigan city, because it's one of those places that when I grew up, when I was growing up and I hadn't heard of it until I became an adult and I'm like, wait, we have a Michigan city. What? And then when I finally get up there because of politics, it's like, wow, this is a neat little town. Yeah. It's a neat little town. Yeah. I like I mean, it a it's lot. Little, yeah. The neighborhood I'm in is just a total beach neighborhood. The building next door is an Airbnb mm -hmm. with like a 30 person table and like a party roof up top. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think, like living next to water changes who you are, like just yeah. rewires you like symbiotically. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'll be, I'll be happy when, you know, um, the lake, I mean, I know I've been on the beach, it's nice, but I'll be glad when it becomes a destination spot. Like and it already is like, there are so many times where like I would get home from work and, um, just go out to the beach because obviously yeah. I don't think I have to spend why I would go out to the beach for a second after work. Um, but then I'd wander in to either um, feed my cat or like put my work clothes off. That's a weird way to say that. Um, but going over the dune, coming back, there's always somebody on their cell phone being like, holy crap, I love it here. Um, first time in Michigan City. Um, and I can, our, we're already coming back next year. And it's, that's one of those moments where it's just, I really want to run for city council and make it even better. I love it. I think me and Nicole are going to try to like rent like an Airbnb or something and come hang out for a weekend. That's what we like to do. We like to get Airbnbs in different parts of the state and just, uh, cause we live in two different cities and just go cool. hang out, you know? Cool. So tell, tell the people something about you that makes you the best candidate um, for city council in Michigan city. So what makes me the best candidate for city council of Michigan City, um, just as a young voice, I'm looking forward to the future um, mm -hmm. and not stuck on some of the problems that I was thinking about five or 10 years ago. Um, the the voice I'll bring is the one that's thinking about what's what's the city going to look like in 10 years. Um, but on top of that, too, is just my critical thinking skills. So Ooh, come on, um, we've talked about that background as a historian, that background as a librarian. I know what it means to find the right information and to, to work with it mm -hmm. rather than um, to trust your gut on some information that you think you heard. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know how to find the right person to talk to and to get their opinion and to weigh it against other experts and not just trust my gut, my buddy right. or something. Right. Like I, know, I know how to weigh people's advice against each other and think of their, um, their motives when, when they're saying it. Mm -hmm. I think that's a skill that politicians learn 
on the job yeah. thing i've got beforehand i love the way you view things you are not an inward person where it's me i you are an outward person like your answer of why i think i would be a good person for the role is because i know how to listen to people I mean, that, sir, is yeah, an amazing yeah. trait, is an amazing trait. And the fact that you've developed it at such a young age, there are a lot of 60-year-olds that ain't got that. There are a lot of, you yeah. know, and so hold on to that because that is a valuable, valuable tool that you have in your toolbox. Take it from an old lady. All right, tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me. Um, Coulter for City Council is my URL and my Facebook tagline however that works yeah we've got some upcoming events i'm also the president of the young democrats so if you're under 35 what? and at everybody well for in for the poor county excuse yes, me i didn't know that okay sorry why did we put that at the last part of the show Hello? you <laughs> must not know how much i love id uh ida <laughs> uh, 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 yda you must not know that is so funny okay cool so we're getting that on its feet i mean we're like in yeah. the process of getting it on its feet um so the steering committee made me president because i can talk and listen to people okay um i've got vision so i know that we're gonna put some cool events together um so we've got to kick up come kick off coming up excuse me um, we don't have a date for that yet. That's how on its getting on its feet it is because we're busy. We're all getting Angie elected. We're getting me elected. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm loving all of that. Why? Yeah. Well, just so, just so you know, no matter win or lose, um, whatever happens, um, I am going to be hunting you down to join Stonewall too. So, okay. you know, just know I'm coming. I'm coming but for you. You've got my contact information. I really do. Yeah. <laughs> don't make me yeah. don't make me send you an invite. Um, we're having a meeting. Will you come and talk to us? <laughs> oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's just so important to find these niche ways to get involved. Yeah. Um, like and there is one democratic group up here that I went to one of their events, and there's nothing wrong with a room full of octogenarians who say the pledge and a prayer and then have a really bland meal. Um, but <laughs> If you're trying to get more 20 year olds involved, that's going to scare them away. Well, that's so, why we need more 20 year olds in leadership roles. And, and that's why I love what, yeah. um, you know, Ariel started and um, James Wells is picking up. Um, and, you know, I love that's why I support, you know, IDA, because uh, you guys, first of all, you you let me hang out with you. Uh, I've always, I always hang out with the young Dems. I find the young Dems at French Lick. I find the young Dems at the HH dinner because they're fun. And, yeah. and, and I think when you have more young people in leadership roles, I, I also think you have to let them make decisions and make their mistakes so they can learn from them. If you prevent Thank them you. from making the mistakes, how will they be the leaders of the future? A mistake isn't really a mistake. It's an opportunity to learn, right? And so that's I why I am. That. So you're a young Dem. You're going to join Stonewall. I am just love. See, that's why I love it when y'all run for office. I find y'all after y'all run for office, but that's okay. Because once I got you, I got you. I love right, it. That's perfect. Yeah, you're right in the right spot to see through people, too. Oh, like, yeah. Well, I always said the show, you know, my I start the show off with love. It's all about love. I'm not going to ask you anything that's going to embarrass you because I feel like <laughs> candidates are going to, you know, good candidates are going to show and bad candidates are going to show. You know what I'm saying? So I, I give everybody a shot and, you know, just tell your story. And your story is fascinating. And the way you see the world is fascinating. And you're exactly what our party in our state needs. Young people who have a worldview and recognize that Indiana doesn't have to be in the space, in the state that it's in. It can be better yeah. because you've seen better. Yeah, yeah. 
and we're going to make it better. Absolutely. Be I, incredible. I yeah. love it. I love it. Yeah, I, I know me and Greg are going to talk for hours, but we're not going to do that to you guys tonight. <laughs> um, thank you so much for joining me, Greg. Don't don't hang up just yet. Um, yeah. Guys, one of the things you guys know, I'm down with Stonewall and I do. That's my in politics is my labor of love. But as you also know, my love, love labor is Trinity Haven. Trinity Haven is our only affirming LGBTQ plus residents in the entire state that looks out for our youth who are at risk of homelessness. You know, this is, I've been working on this project since 2019 and you know, we, we want to show our young people who haven't seen a lot of love, what love looks like by being the support, being the adults in the room um, and not, and showing that every young person, regardless of their sexual orientation, gender identity, queer status, whatever, they are loved and they are valued and they are worth t giving time to. So that being said, we are having our second annual, third annual. I can't even remember anymore. We've done so many. Our third annual homecoming bash. And the theme is the best of Broadway. So get your cat's outfit out. Get your Hamilton outfit out. Come, come, get your stomp outfit out, whatever it is, and get dressed up on September 9th at the Crane Bay Event Center here in Indianapolis. Um, the tickets are on sale right now. I will include a link um, so that you guys can get the tickets because look, we don't, it costs money to run the house. We have a house that houses nine young people for two years. It costs money to have host homes. We have people around Marion County who donate a bedroom because they have extra space for six months at a time for young people who need something right away. It costs money. You got to buy food. We got to pay for the light bill. You know, the kids are always on their phones. We got to pay for that at high speed Internet. Right. These are the things that, because we want to make sure that we're nurturing these young people. So, guys, please consider buying a ticket. Buy your ticket. Go and, and it's going to be fun. Broadway, y'all. Broadway. All right, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. Guys, it's Thanks been a fantastic everyone. chat with y'all. We got shows lined up every day until the election. I'm I'm not I only have one day that I'm taking off. I gotta go to Little Rock for work on the third. That's the week I won't be here. But after that, I've got everybody booked up and, and we're gonna talk to these candidates. I've got mayor candidates coming on, more city county council candidates and clerks. Come on now. It's a lot of races that are happening. Municipals is where we build our bench. So learn about these candidates. Tune in so you can find out how you can support and help them. All right. Don't forget IDEA is coming up too. All right. I'll holler at y'all next time. Peace. Turn Left is the property of Black Girl IT Solutions. Executive producer, Indiana's own Dana Black. Music by www.bensound.com. <laughs>